0: Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology which we explain in uh, earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail, and then... Feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. (laughs) Welcome back to QAV, everybody. This is episode something, 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 Uh, three, three something, 342, according to my notes. <clears throat> it's been a, been a little while since we've done a Q&A episode. A week, I guess. A week and a bit. Two weeks. Two weeks since we've done a Q&A episode. So we've got quite a few questions lined up. Uh, what's been happening with you in the last couple of weeks? Tony, Alex had a 21st. How did that go? Yeah,
1: really good. Yeah, we we decided to splash out and try and do something a bit special for her because she's up here with the oldies in Sydney and all her friends are in Melbourne in lockdown. So. Hey. You had a a caterer come in? Some of her friends are up here in Queensland. Okay.
0: You could come down to the party, but you couldn't go back. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying. She has friends in places other than Melbourne. Okay. Well, her boyfriend's in Melbourne. She was texting me all night going, you know, kill me now. I'm stuck here with the oldies. It's it's (laughs) driving me nuts.
1: My dad keeps
0: putting mentals as anything, uh, mental as anything, on the stereo.
1: <laughs> like she gave me a playlist from Spotify, so I put that on the uh, on the well, Sonos, not stereo. And um, one of our friends said, "Oh, can you turn that down? It's a bit loud." <laughs> so she was stuck with the
0: old. Yeah, what a great twenty-first <laughs> birthday party. Yeah! All right. Anyway, good fun. Well, as you know, I'm recording this in Bundaberg, uh, hence my uh, dulcet tones, because my poor mother has a migraine and is sleeping in the room next to me. We were in Rockhampton as of this morning on our way to Mackay, and then we were going to go to Emerald, Cameron Williams' old town, uh, and uh, spend a couple of weeks driving my mum around, but she tried to poison herself the night before we left, and so it, it sort of all got aborted at Rocky. Anyway, let's get into the questions. Um, Well, one thing we didn't do uh, a couple of weeks ago when we should have was talk about how the dummy portfolio ended the year. I don't Mm -hmm. don't think we got to that. Um, And, of course, (laughs) since then, it's taken a bit of a hit as the market has been just plummeting for the last few weeks. I Mm. think we're back down below the... ASX is back down below six thousand today.
1: Oh yeah, well below. It's about five seven something, I think.
0: Ah, so uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, oh, the All ords is below six thousand five nine seven nine.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry, that's all right. The All Lords down below six thousand. Uh, it's back to where it was in June, I think. So that's the last three months of gains mm-hmm. gone. Let alone where it was. Uh, you know, back before the crash. Um, Anyway, so we closed. Let me bring up my blog post from uh, just after the 2nd of September when we closed off our first full year, my year one report. Let's talk it through. So I said our return was 6.27% for the first year. What do you think of that, Tony? What do you think of them? Their numbers. Well, well, I think it needs to be compared to the market. What was the ASX return? The the All Lords Lords total return index returned
1: negative three point two eight percent for the same period. Okay, so so that makes me happy that we we outperformed, and it's I I like to get double market. So I don't know whether that means. Two minus threes is minus six, but, you know, whether it's plus six or whether it's plus three. But um, I think we achieved that pretty safely. Uh, yeah, I'd like it to be higher. But uh, given where the market's been, particularly this year with COVID, uh, it's good. It's good? Six percent? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the alternative is, you know, stick it in the back and get one or put it in an index fund and get minus three.
0: Or put it in after pay and get a thousand. But uh, that's a different game.
1: That's right. That's 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 like uh, a mouse going after some cheese in a trap. <laughs> <laughs> How? <laughs> well, you might get it. You might nibble away at the cheese for a while there, but eventually the trap's going to come and knock. Oh, you Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, so there we go, 6.27% for our first year. But, yeah, the market down three, I wasn't sure what double that would be, if it was six or whatever, uh, 3% or 6%. Three, plus three, I would say. Plus three, yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we did way better than that.
1: Yeah, and I'm just looking at uh, the dummy portfolio now today, which is 22nd of September. And uh, it's up 7.19% versus the all odds, which is down 10.55%.
0: Just to be clear, though, that's not the um, total returns index.
1: No, that's the all odds, not the um, accumulation index. So yeah. you can probably add 3% back to that, which again makes it double market, 7% up, all odds, 7% down. Yeah. Yeah, just with that, we probably – you're going to rule off – like I think the portfolio is showing its growth still since September uh, 2019. We probably should – do you want to keep going like that or do you want to make it an annual figure from now on? I don't know. What do you – So reset it. I guess
0: uh, an annual figure makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then we should have a tab somewhere that just keeps track of what our annual figures were in the past
1: correct and then I uh, over time we can work out what our compound growth is yeah on average okay. yeah I'll work out how to do that so um, so that's good so it's um, on
0: track uh, if our, if our goal is to be roughly double
1: market uh, that's that's good yeah yes it is I'd like it to be more but but I'm happy that it's uh, not negative like the ASX yeah yeah
0: Okay, and then uh, since then, we, we had our chat with Kian last week. Uh,
1: I enjoyed mm-hmm. enjoyed that. He's a nice fellow. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think is the offer up yet for our listeners for for Stock Doctor memberships?
0: It is. If people haven't uh, heard that yet or taken advantage of that, need a reminder, go to qavpodcast.com.au slash Doctor. That will take you through to their offer page, and I think you can save it's just a little bit under three hundred bucks. Um, I don't know if it's for the first year or every year, but at least for the first year on a stock doctor subscription. So I don't know what that is as a percentage. Maybe twenty percent. Uh, I think it's about fifteen hundred bucks a year, or is it seventeen hundred? Something like that a year. So seventeen, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, nice of them to good offer job. that. And hopefully we'll have them back on. Kian certainly told me afterwards that he was happy to, to come back on for more chats. So uh, if there's anything anyone out there wants to hear from the Lincoln Indicators people, uh, let us know and we can try and get Kian or somebody else from Lincoln back on. Yeah, excellent. Let's get into the questions that have come through. Justin McPherson's up first. He says, when following the five-year monthly graph, if the price drops below the sell line before the end of the month, would you sell straight away or would you generally wait until the end of the month to see if it corrects? I know we – yeah, yeah, go go after you. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I think that in the past, my recollection is we have sold straight away if it drops below. Is that right?
1: That's what I was going to say. Yes, mm. that's right. Mm. Um, and sometimes we'll get it wrong and it'll do a, you know, a U turn and go back up mm. and we can think about buying back in. But, but no, generally if it, um, it breaks through the, the sell line, I'm a seller straight away. And, and why is that? Just risk mitigation to stop it from going further. I mean, don't know how long into the month we are. If we're days away from the end of the month, it's probably a low risk. But if we're at the start of the month, then it's, a, it could be a high risk so that it keeps going down. Right,
0: you're just basically saying that that's an indicator that the sentiment is in decline and uh, it's Mm -hmm. time to get out. Correct, yes. I mean, by the time it's hit, depending on where it was when we bought it, by the time it hits, it's fallen enough to hit the three-point sell line, it's usually already fallen quite a ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this is probably usually more of an issue for something we've bought recently. Yeah. You know, we've bought... just gone through its its three-point buy line, and then maybe in the next month or the month after that, it's starting to retrace some of that upward trend and, and gone back through its sell line quickly. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm always happy to, to get out of those positions because there may have been mistakes. They, they could be trading years or they could be um, volatile stocks or whatever the, the reason. But yeah, uh, if it goes through its three-point sell line, I'm happy to sell. Um, and if it goes back up again, yeah look at the buy list and see where it ranks yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah, maybe buy back in. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably, yeah. Look, quite possibly, um, if it's a recent buy, it's towards the top of the buy list, but sometimes in those circumstances and, and quite a lot, you're buying something else. You've sold out of stock A, which has gone below its three-point sell line and bought into the next highest thing on your, your buy list. And so even if stock A goes back, um, into a buy territory, you've probably bought something else in between. Yeah.
0: Okay, another question from Justin. After receiving dividends, does Tony save for a new position or does he normally reinvest back into the company he received the dividend from? Now, uh, my recollection from past times you've answered this question is that you uh, normally take the dividends as cash to help pay for just running costs and stuff, legal, accounting, etc. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. And probably the biggest cost is uh, gearing that I have. So the dividends go on interest in the main, uh, mortgage repayments. Um, uh, the rest goes in accounting fees, any tax I might have to pay. Um, and then the rest just goes on living expenses. So I can get... If, all that's, if there's a bit left over from all that, I'll buy some golf balls. It's, uh, it's basically what I live on. <laughs> oh, especially now that my wife's not working. Back when she was working, it wasn't as, you know, um, it, it was just basically all going to fund the um, mortgage. Right. <laughs> right, so that's your income then at the moment. Yeah, that's right. I don't do any other work, and I don't get paid for this podcast. So
0: you keep bringing that up.
1: Why do you keep bringing that up? It's like the second time <laughs> in
0: the last week you've brought that up. Uh, do we do we need to do we need to bring in uh, what do they call them uh, <laughs> wage ar- arbitration? Arbitration.
1: Yeah. Do we need to need. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my Bob Hawke impersonation. Well, we, uh, we, you know, fellow Australians, <laughs> I think, think there's an injustice going on here. <laughs> Why are you doing
0: a weird accent for Bob Hawke? Uh, he didn't know hmm. making him sound weird. Okay. Uh, he was. I just... Uh, uh, Tony, uh, Tony, mate, uh, Paul, uh, no. Okay. Um, okay. All right, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't see I was pulling my earlobe. So if you'd been able to look, see that, look. it would have made complete it would have made complete sense because, you
1: know, it's visual. Uh, look, I think Grand Jan's migraine just got worse. <laughs> Grand, Jan is no, my, true. Grand Jan is my mother for people who are wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes. okay. So And look, that's an interesting point, though. I mean, um, because of the way I structure things, the dividends pay for gearing and pay for... Taxes and accounting and expenses. Uh, but that probably means that you know I'm missing out on three percent compounding, three or four, whatever the the yield is on my portfolio. It's probably around three because mm. um, I don't always buy stocks f- for their yield. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's. I, I did a trade off years ago when I, when I decided to gear and go into the share market because if you're getting nineteen and a half percent, you're. You know, at the moment, it's probably more like eighteen percent because of COVID. Um, you're better off doing that than than um, you know keeping and reinvesting the three percent. So you got exposure to a bigger a bigger uh, capital amount at the start. Mm. So that was my thinking behind gearing to invest in the stock market, and then uh, it was kind of happy days that uh, I could use dividends to uh, to pay for the interest, and it doesn't come out of my pocket.
0: Well, it kind of does,
1: but what well, kind of does, but yeah, mm. okay. Yeah, and in fact, in the days when I was working, there was um, that would be negatively geared, so uh, yeah, I get a tax benefit from it too, so it was even better.
0: Chris from Singapore, uh, our mining guru, who I think is agreed to come on the show and talk to us about mining fundamentals Ooh. at some point in the future, which is which would be fun. Um, yeah. He says, I've heard you state. Typically, three sell signals, three-point selling signals, include, oh no, okay, I've heard you state that there are three types of sell signals, including the three-point sell line breach, qualified audit, unexpected leadership departure. Tony has also spoken of selling stock that experiences a big drop after recently purchasing it. Interested in his views on CCP, Credit Corp given he journaled he was buying it a week ago. Okay, so this is going back a couple of weeks, 8th of September. And since then, it has dropped over 10%. Uh, While it's above its three-point sell line, interested to understand Tony's logic on hold or sell. Cheers and thanks, Chris. I think it's probably dropped even more than that since we bought it. Yeah,
1: I'm feeling the burn on Credit Corp, that's for sure.
0: Well, we didn't add it to the QAV portfolio, but I did add it to my portfolio, and it's down... Fifteen and
1: a half percent since yeah. then. Oh, that's why. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it too. Jeez. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs>
0: it starting to sound like Eddie. What does he call it? The the
1: Cameron curse. <laughs> the curse of Cameron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So I'm still holding it. Uh, so what do I do in this circumstance? So it's probably not a bad a bad. Uh, example to run through. I mean the market's turned down, so a lot of stocks have, have had a bit of a dip um recently. Uh the three point sell line for Credit Corp is going to be somewhere just below about $15. I'm just looking at its graph now. I've got it as 1421.
0: Uh, like have you? Okay. You know, I ran the
1: calculator on it, I think. Okay. All right. So okay, 1421. It's now at 1625. So we've got a bit of a a bit of time for it to turn around. Um so first first point is it's it's uh it's dropped. It hasn't breached that 3 point um sell line yet. So i would generally hold on for a bit longer because the idea of the of using the 5 year monthly 3 point sell line is to is to try and not be too volatile with our decisions to to buy and sell. Uh, cuz it um you know we it's a good company and it could could turn up um, in the near future as well. And and over the long term, it should. Um, The next thing I would do, because I don't know why it's turned down, so I'm kind of asking questions. It's not not like a mining company where you can check out what the commodity price has been doing. Um, So the next thing I would do would be a a Google search uh, on Credit Corp. And I did that as we were preparing for the show. And the Motley Fool have come up high on the list when there's a... Um, an article that they've put out, which uh, is like kind of like a market wrap from a week or two ago. And it says that credit corp share prices dropped 2.5% lower to $17.19. So this was in the last couple of weeks. This appears to have been driven by a broker note out of Macquarie this morning. Its analysts have downgraded the debt collector shares to a neutral rating and cut the price target on them down to $18.50. It, so Macquarie, believes near-term trading conditions could be tough for Credit Corp due to delays in new debt sales. So it seems like this is news-driven, and it's coming out of Macquarie Group, another share that we own, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and this is kind of what the market does. There'll be, there'll be notes going out all the time from big broking houses one way or the other on these companies. Um, they will drive the market a little bit, uh, not everyone obviously receives a note. Not everyone obviously takes action because of that note. Um, the, the comment about the near term trading conditions being tough or could be tough for Credit Corp due to delays in new debt sales is, is probably true. And I think I recall at the time when we were thinking about buying Credit Corp, you know, I said that, that the banks are going to probably hold on to their debt list a bit longer for two reasons. One, to try and Squeeze a bit more out of them themselves, and two because they'll find it hard to price the the sale of that debt list when when the economy is going through a, a fluctuating period. So I think yeah you know, that was the reason why credit corp sold off dramatically during the COVID um, downturn. And uh, I, I think um, it's it's probably news which if people would have factored into their considerations, I think already. So I'm you know who knows, but I'm guessing that this dip is is you know, basically people looking at the Macquarie report potentially and, and deciding to that there was too much risk in the selling the shares. But as we've said before, um, Credit Corp is a debt collector and you've got to think there's a lot of debt to collect going forward. So uh, I'm still going to hold this. I don't think that news is enough to shake my um, faith in the stock. And I'm just going to follow the process and not be not be um, misled by news. Right.
0: And on top of that, the market's been declining pretty much across the board for the last Correct. month. So it's not like everything yeah. else is going gangbusters and CCPs to you. Around, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, and look, you know, if, if it does breach its sell line, it breaches its sell line, and, and chances are, we are, we given the way that COVID's hurtling through the states still, and Britain, and some parts of Europe, and India, and and all the rest of it, we could go into a second dip, and we have a large sell off again. That, that's entirely possible. Um, and I would think that, you know, given that we're only two bucks above the sell line for Credit Corp, that we'd be selling it when it breaches its three-point trend line. But let's just wait and see. Rather than, rather than play the prediction game, we'll play the fact game. Right.
0: Okay. Well, there you go, Chris. And I look forward to having you on the show for a chat. Uh, speaking of Macquarie, you're right. Next question is from Dave B. Dave uh, pegged uh, or sent us this story about Macquarie. He says uh, sent us a he posted something on Facebook, uh linked to an article saying Macquarie Group flags three hundred million dollar profit hit. And Dave asks, wondering if this counts as bad news and a reason to sell MQG, still a long way from the three PTL, but it's a pretty poor result. Then he followed up with an email saying, Hey guys, further to my post on Monday. Regarding selling MQG, some questions. I didn't sell, by the way. TK, when you, went, when you went to cash during the COVID dive, did you go 100% cash? Oh, okay. Seven, second and unrelated question. All right, back to Macquarie Group. What do you think about Macquarie Group?
1: Yeah, first of all, shame on them for putting out a negative report about Credit Corp. Spoiling <laughs> <It's> <laughs> our party there. Uh, it's just another version of the same story, really. Um, Macquarie Group have been quite good at at keeping the market informed that the, uh, the trading conditions are tough out there. Um they did that at their AGM and and this latest news that has come out has put a number on on the, you know, their forecast for their current half results which is they're forecasting to be 35% lower than last year. But they did say at the AGM that they thought it would definitely be lower, they just didn't give it a an, an amount so Personally, what I think we're seeing now is that, you know, everyone who bought Macquarie Group, as we did around that time, knew that things were going to get tough. Uh, And now what's happened, I think, is that, you know, the fund managers and investment managers have plugged 35% into their spreadsheet and they've come up with a new number and they've, you know, positioned themselves accordingly, either buying or selling. Um, Macquarie Group, it's dropped a bit, but it hasn't dropped. It's probably dropped maybe 10%. So... Um, it's it's you know not 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 nice. Would be great if it was higher, but it's still above what I paid for them, and it's still a long way above its three point sell line. So same as Credit Corp, I'm going to hold on to this bit. Macquarie Group's a very good company, and uh, yeah, I mean the fact that they've now told us that they think they'll be 35 percent down this half um, really just crystallizes what they've been saying all year. So it, it, to me, that's not enough bad news to sell it based on news.
0: Right. So are you saying that that was already factored in?
1: I think directionally it was, Cam. Um, what, what did? I guess fund managers may be making their own guesses about whether it was 20%, 25%, 30%, 40% or whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, certainly, yeah, I, was, I was certainly had my eyes open that Macquarie was going to have a, cup, a tough couple of halves. I mean, they're an investment bank and they're, um, yeah. you know, that, that after COVID, the... Um, the M&A pipeline just dried up completely. So, uh, yeah, there's that. There's, there are the headwinds in other parts of the business. They're an infrastructure business and that involves tollways and, and, and the like. And of course, yeah, you know, if you're in lockdown, you're not driving your car. So that part of the business is taking a hit too. So again, these are all things which we knew about. Um, they've just come out and put a number on it in the, in the last week or so, which I, I think is, you know, um, fine tuned. Uh, people's models and discounted cash flows, and that may have been may have caused a bit of sell off. Mm. Um, but uh, but again, I think you know I, I'm going to wait for the three point sell line with this. It's not not enough bad news for me to sell Macquarie.
0: And it's not necessarily unexpected bad news.
1: Correct. Yeah, and that's a really that's a really good way of, of putting it. Um, it. The surprisingly bad result is the one where you might want to sell yeah. when the results come out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, or, or the one where management like sometimes you see cases where management will raise money a month before the results, with a whole set of different figures, and then the results will come out and they've you know, made a loss, <laughs> and you scratch you scratch your head and say what's going on there, and it's you know not only are you selling because of um, a deterioration in the business, you're selling because of the quality of the management that mm. that basically misled people. Mm. So I've seen that before too. Mm.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, second part of Dave's question, or Dave's second question, more, more accurately. Uh, when you went to cash during the COVID dive, did you go hundred percent cash? Uh, no. It <laughs> <laughs> makes me think of that. Uh, <laughs> not sure I can say. I can't say it. I won't. I won't go there.
1: Um, doesn't matter. Uh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Is this like an ESP test? What's What's Cam thinking? <laughs> Robert Downey's Robert Downey Charades. Robert Downey Junior.'s
0: line to Ben Stiller in uh, what was that film they did about the making of a movie about Vietnam?
1: Oh yeah, Tropic um, Tropic Thunder Operation
0: Oh Tropic of Thunder yeah, yes. Tropic Thunder Yeah You never go full retard, man. Everyone knows that <laughs> Sean Penn. and <laughs> Sam, I'm Sam. He was. Only half retard. You never, you never go full retard, man. Never go hundred percent retard.
1: So you didn't go hundred percent cash. No. no, I didn't. I, I did Sean Penn. I went uh, about. Well, I think it was about fifty-five percent from memory. Right. Certainly between fifty and sixty percent. Yeah. Right. And that was solely driven by the stocks that were going through their three-point trend line sales. Yeah, it's not like you made a conscious decision to
0: move to cash. You were just Correct. selling stocks. And then Correct. spending
1: that money as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a process and we felt it. Uh, I shouldn't say spend it as quickly as possible. I probably took a few months to put the money back into the market. Uh, but yeah, I, I always want to be fully invested unless there's a problem like COVID. And uh, went to 55% cash and then started to the buy back into the market again straight away. Took you months? Yeah, we've spoken about this before. How um, you know I was putting in, uh, well, seventy five thousand dollars a day in building positions in companies over a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, but you were you were yeah. buying back in as quickly and as uh, well, as quickly as you could, right? When yeah, that's when right. When you found yeah. stuff to buy. Yep. You, you, you didn't like. I, you know, I know a lot of people, and we've spoken to guys that run funds on the show, and they they go to cash and they sit on cash deliberately. Mm. It's part of their strategy is to sit on thirty percent mm. cash or something like that in case some opportunities come up. But uh, you you don't do that.
1: No, and I I, I don't think it's a good strategy myself. I am um, always trying to be one hundred percent invested, unless you know COVID comes along or GFC comes along, and you are selling things holus bolus because of a market crash, mm. then you have a large cash holding that builds up, but I try and put it back into the market quickly.
0: I know in a dummy portfolio, I mean, we started buying in early April. Yeah. We added Santos, Bell Financial, Corvest, Regis Resources and Hawthorne Resources in April and then, you know, a few more in May. So, yeah, we, we jumped straight back in.
1: Correct, Yeah. Mm. Yep. So that's, that's what I do. Cause I think if you go, if you have a, if you have a, a strategy of uh, holding cash, it, it reduces your returns. Um, you know, so if you, if you're getting 18% without a cash holding, if you suddenly have 30% cash, you're getting maybe 12 or 13% because cash is getting nothing at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I don't like that. I'd rather, I'd rather take, be fully invested and be quick to get out when the, when the downtime comes which gives me the cash to then reinvest reinvest on the way up. Mm. Now, I I fully acknowledge that if if I was managing billions of dollars, I may not be able to operate that way, but Mm. that's how I operate now.
0: Well, we'll find out in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes, you get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide. All of the video content that we have, uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members, you get to ask Tony questions that we can answer, you get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc, etc. So, And also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out qavpodcast.com.au but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season 3 episodes 1 3 and 5 301 303 and 305 and then you might also want to go back and listen to season 1 as well all of the free episodes in season 1 where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you. If it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.